I'm talking to Mohamed El Arian, winner of the Financial Times Goldman Sachs Business Book of the Year Award with his book When Markets Collide, Investment Strategies for the Age of Global Economic Change. Mohamed, congratulations. I wanted to ask about the process of writing the book because you started it uh, last summer in 2007 or started thinking about it then and yet the system was under great strain already and a number of things were changing as you progressed in putting it together. Uh, how did you manage to write about what was essentially a moving target? There was a couple of catalysts for writing the book. One were large number of signals being sent by the markets that were being dismissed by too many people as noise. And the second catalyst was the ability to write some op-eds uh, for different publications. And therefore, when I embarked on writing the book, I had quite a bit of raw material in my mind. But as you say, I started writing a book that I thought was going to be about the future. And then things started moving very quickly. And then it became a book about current affairs as it went into production. And I was worried that it would be a book about history, um, ancient history, but it turns out to still be about current affairs because this crisis has evolved in some expected and some unexpected ways. In what ways uh, did you not predict some of the things that have happened since the book was published? The book predicted that there would be a series of market accidents, institutional failures, and policy mistakes, and therefore a very bumpy, volatile journey. What I didn't predict is what happened in September. We said that the disruptions would contaminate the payments and settlement system, and that we would see a massive loss of trust in simple overnight transaction in the most sophisticated financial system in the world. And of course, that accelerated significantly the dynamics of dislocations that I talk about in the book and made the impact much more global than they would have been otherwise. I know you're a busy man. You're co-chief executive and co-chief investment officer at PIMCO, the big investment management company. But if you were persuaded that you should write another edition or a paperback version, do you think you would have to change any of the premises or conclusions of the book? It wouldn't change the premise, and the premise, which I think now has been illustrated beyond anybody's doubt, is that there was a set of activities undertaken in the international monetary system that far exceeded the ability of the system to sustain them, that the infrastructure was insufficient, and therefore there would be what I call clogged pipes, there would be messes to clean up, and there would be casualties both on the policy side and on the market side. So that premise is still there. What I would have to update is that it, there's been, especially in the last few days and weeks, a series of policy actions undertaken in crisis management mode that have fundamentally changed the landscape. And of course, the biggest one is something that I, I, I mentioned in the book, but is now taking place much more rapidly and much more globally um, than I had imagined, which is government ownership of major banking institutions around the world. One of the points that occurred to me as I was reading the direct investment advice in the book is whether you felt at certain points that you'd had to actually conceal your hand because clearly PIMCO is moving large amounts of money around and has a competitive advantage in the knowledge that it has, including your knowledge, uh, whether you were nervous about revealing the secrets of the trade, if you like. No, because the investment advice I was giving was 
had two elements to it. One is to acknowledge that when the system completes its journey, the destination will look different, and therefore invest with a forward-looking perspective rather than a backward-looking perspective. And second is to be very cautious in the journey. So I spent a lot of time talking about clipping your left tail, which is a fancy way of saying, imagine a really bad state of the world. Try and find cheap insurance to clip your tail or to minimize your exposure to that. For for the individual investors, of course, that comes down to unfortunately using just cash. But for institutional investors, there's a whole array of strategies that have been underutilized. Mohammed, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a number of uh, enormous uh, government interventions around the world to try and stabilize the financial system. You talk in the book about uh, a journey towards a particular destination, and I wondered how far along this bumpy journey you think we now are. The journey is turning out to be much bumpier than I had anticipated, um, and we are starting to turn. So the image I have in the book was that the global economy was shifting engines, going from a very big engine that was driven by debt, the United States, and in particular the United States consumer, and everything that went along with that on the financial system, to multiple engines, and that the plane would, would lose altitude, and therefore the journey would be bumpy, and there would be need to fasten your seatbelt, as I put it in the book, but that at a lower altitude, the plane would be stabilized and these other engines would come on stream and start the upward, if you like, journey back. What we're seeing is that not only have we lost altitude as the, the debt exhaustion of the big U.S. engine has come into play, but we also hit a few air pockets that have meant that we have come down quicker and faster in altitude. Does that mean that the, that the world is still exposed to many of the risks that you outlined in the book when it was published in before the latest phase of the crisis? Correct. The, the world is exposed to major risk on the basis of the deleveraging dynamics that are, have gone global. Against that, we, also, we have seen in the last few days and weeks a major catch-up process by policymakers. The policy reaction function has shifted significantly from being sequential to being simultaneous, from being at country-specific to being global. Of course, we should always remember that implementation and effectiveness don't come instantaneously. There's a lag between implementation and effectiveness. And so you think that there might be a need for a further intervention at some point, as has happened in previous crises? Yes. As you mentioned, previous crises have shown that it's very hard to get it right the first time around because there's so many moving pieces you, and there's, there's too much uncertainty. I suspect that over the next few weeks, we are going to see additional measures aimed to stabilize not just the banks, but also the non-bank financial institutions in the United States and elsewhere. It's been said by some people that this has constituted the, the, the sort of end of capitalism or the end of capitalism as we know it. Uh, do you take that extreme view that, that something has changed irreparably in the way in which markets and capitalism works? No, I don't. I think that we're going to go through a period, a temporary and reversible period of regulation where there will be focus on the need to make sure that we don't repeat anytime soon 
this notion that you can privatize massive gains and then socialize massive losses. However, once we we do that, once the system is reset, the governments being governments around the world are being very careful about thinking about how to exit this new regime, this new policy regime, and how to crowd in private capital. So post-stabilization, we're going to see a an attempt over two years, over three years, for the government to exit and for more private capital to come in. You place a lot of hope, obviously, for the future of the world economy in the emerging markets, uh, coming in these smaller engines to lift the aircraft of the world economy. Um, but obviously, some of those haven't gone through the same scarring experience that New York, London and other uh, developed centres have gone through. Is there just a risk that they will repeat the same mistakes that have been made, uh, obviously, in the West? You know, they went through their own mistakes. And, and a reason why they've entered this current crisis, which is a crisis of the centre of the system, um, and have, have been able to do relatively well so far, is because they increased their self-insurance after their previous mistakes. So I think that the mistakes have been done and there's an element of caution among governments in emerging economies. In most emerging economies, there's, there's a few where there isn't, but in, in the group as a whole. And I think they're watching very carefully. My fear, Andrew, is, 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 is something else. My fear is that in watching what's been happening to the US and to the UK, the most sophisticated systems in the world, that they will slow down the efforts to liberalize financial transactions. And that would tend to lower the speed limit on their on their economic growth. So that we go into a period of stagnation or semi-stagnation that would be bad for ordinary people, if you like. Yes, unfortunately, this crisis has migrated from Wall Street to Main Street. Unfortunately, this crisis is going to impact people who are most vulnerable in society. And that's why this government action was needed. Unfortunately, the government action cannot instantaneously stabilize the situation. So there will be welfare losses. And that's why I don't think society will tolerate, again, a situation where massive gains were privatized by the financial system, but the losses now have to be socialized. And that's one of the reasons, presumably, why you, your advice is still for people to be on the sidelines, as you put it, um, uh, with their own investments at this point. There's still a lot of risk out there uh, that you might not get back your investment, uh, let alone make a decent return. Correct. There's an old saying that there are times when you worry about the return on your capital and there are times when you worry about the return of your capital. And today is a time when you worry about the return of your capital. It's much better to make the mistake of leaving some incremental money on the table than losing it. Mohamed Arian, thank you very much.